Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today we have another one of our, as I'm calling it, our award winners series. Uh, now, to be fair, that's from last year, but you know, our guest here, I'm sure he could win one every year. He's a great volunteer for a firm. Uh, so, so Somi, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you, Paul, for the introduction. Absolutely. Well, why don't we just start off, uh, we're going to kind of interview you. Just, you know, tell us, tell the audience again about, tell us about yourself, introduce yourself and just kind of what your day job is there. Yeah. Uh, so I am Samia Chakravarti. I have been in the risk management profession for, I don't know how many years, probably over 25 years. I've done many different things, starting from, uh, you know, IT audits or regular audits and then, you know, assertion work uh, to doing advisory work, spend a lot of time in the, um, you know, consulting space, uh, worked for three out of the big fours, and uh, I won't name them, but uh, everybody can can go on my LinkedIn (laughs) profile and look at them. But I've also spent uh, a lot of time uh, in the industry, uh, mainly in the commercial uh, financial services industry. But for the last few years, I've been kind of more focused on going back to my ERM roots and, um, you know, advising clients uh, mostly in the area of ERM uh, and strategy development. And uh, I now operate under my own kind of banner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run a company called Risk Pro Solutions. It's a company that I founded in 2019 and uh, basically work across both government and uh, commercial clients. All right. That's, that's great. Um, well, let's start a little bit about, you know, your, your firm work, and then we'll, I want to talk definitely a lot more about your ERM experience. Um, but just for a firm, tell us, you know, what kind of volunteer work you have done for a firm and just a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, when I was um, exploring, to be honest, client opportunities back in 2019 after I just kind of re-embarked on this journey, I came across a firm. And uh, honestly, I didn't know anything about a firm up until then i had heard about aga and uh, I'm a, i've been a member of isaca for several years but a firm was new and i was guess i was looking for um uh, like are there any organizations out there that are doing erm work in the government space mm-hmm. and that was and i came across a firm and i you know became a member immediately but then i also saw that a firm is a hundred percent volunteer run organization and that interested me, and I raised my hand, and I said, this is a great way to get introduced to the, the community to mm-hmm. understand uh, what are some of the priorities and prerogatives in the government ERM space. And um, so I started kind of dabbing my feet in uh, the AFARM volunteer world back in 2019, and uh, immediately met uh, like a whole cast of people who came across as very friendly. I mm-hmm. went to one of the, the, the webinars and met a couple of people, uh, the then AFARM president, Tom, uh, and he introduced me to other people. And I was amazed by how well-connected the community is. Um, so yep. in uh, 2019, when the AFARM uh, summit happened in October, I was actively uh, a volunteer did, uh, met a lot of, again, great people, made a lot of connections, which actually benefited me a lot professionally. So by the end of 2019 and early 2020, Ken Fletcher, who was then president, um, 
he said, hey, Samia, uh, will you be interested to kind of take on a more active role? Mm -hmm. uh, because we have, we need some help with especially the sponsorship committee. And, uh, you know, and I said, sure, why not? Like, uh, I'd like to kind of understand what it is. Mm -hmm. And I found out that uh, it was a kind of lean organization um, because of being 100% volunteer staffed. But everybody was very helpful to each other. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, started working. And there was a lot of work that needed to be done to kind of revamp the, the sponsorship. And sponsorship, as you know, sponsorship and membership are the two main revenue pillars that right. the organization uh, is supported on. So all of the, the monies that is made through uh, sponsorship and membership goes into you know, the operations of the company. So it is a very pivotal role to, to make sure that we have continued sponsorship. And it's not just because of that revenue, it's also because of the support mm. that companies like, you know, Millcorp or everybody else that, uh, you know, we have had several um, platinum sponsors that have supported A firm throughout the years. And it's not, you cannot just count the support through the, the checks that they write to A firm. It's yeah. the, the content, it's the, 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 the support that goes into hosting the AFIRM Summit every year. Right. That is a lot of work, and it's like countless number of people that converge in, not just for the event, but throughout the year for different activities um, that really get this, the wheels turning. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was uh, really a, a unique experience. So back in 2021, I raised my hand yet again to, <laughs> to, to kind of also take on a board role. And I became uh, VP of operations and uh, uh, oversaw a few committees, including sponsorship, uh, volunteers committee, as well as the infrastructure committee and membership. So, and all of these areas, there were you know, very, very capable people who are doing this job for many years but they needed help in kind of, you know, looking at it from a strategic perspective, mm -hmm. bringing about change and, and being more competitive. Obviously, when I say being competitive, mm -hmm. A-Farm has to compete for, you know, time and money and resources with other not-for-profit organizations. Right. We have to make sure we get, you know, volunteers to, to support that. We have to make sure memberships are, are high and they're increasing. Um, we started looking out into beyond the federal ERM space into attracting members from other government agencies mm -hmm. that's state and local. So that really, you know, came across well. And I saw started seeing a lot of mm -hmm. um, synergies across, you know, the events that AFARM put together with sponsorships supporting those events, uh, membership drives. So th all of that kind of is like a big jigsaw puzzle. So that, that role, again, um, I was able to complete. Uh, and, and then right now I'm in a bit of a hiatus from uh, AFARM activities, but still very, very well connected. Mm -hmm. I listen to the, you know, the risk chats and the uh, risk REM webinars whenever I can get an opportunity. I've actually presented in a recent risk REM webinar, so very much nice. connected still with the, uh, the AFARM work that's going on. Good. Well, I can almost guarantee you won't listen to this one because people hate sound on their own voice. So. Oh, I can guarantee <laughs> that too. I never listen to mine either. I'm like, oh boy. All right. But no, they're good. I mean, yeah. if you're not the one talking, it's, it's a good thing to listen to. Um, 
No, that's interesting. You know, with a firm, I mean, we've been around for a while now. Um, and, you know, we both talked about AGA. I do a lot of stuff with AGA, too. And, you know, the, they've been around since, I don't know, 1950s or something. Yeah. So a long time. And they're nationwide. That's, you know, obviously that'd be a great goal one day for a firm. I know we kind of, because we're very D.C. focused because we're federal yeah. government focused. But we've reached out. I mean, there's a ton of state and local ERM, like you said. I mean, it'd be gr- awesome to get more of those members, maybe start chapters one day or something yeah. like that, right? I mean. Yeah, I see that a lot. Um, again, another organization that I'm uh, very well connected with is um, ISACA. And they're, they're sp- uh, specifically in the information security audit space, but they have a very large presence across both uh, commercial um, and, and government. And the DC chapter, which does a great job, uh, by the way, they're like a, an event partner with uh, a strategic partner, I should say, with AFARM. They have put events together. Mm. Uh, so, But th- there's a lot to learn from the organization and how they yeah. operate, as well as AGA, and how they you know, are, you know, put events together. So. I would say there's uh, like plenty of opportunity for synergies and a firm to yeah. kind of grow in that space. I mean, would it be fair to say though? I mean, at some point, we can't be 100% volunteer. It's just too hard. If we want to get bigger and yeah broader, we have to have some full-time kind of people, right? Yeah, I mean that that is obviously uh, a goal. I know that the board has considered and is considering. Um, it's a matter of time, you know, before. The opportunity has to come across, and uh, the direc- directionally or objectively, I think AFIRM has to feel right, uh, and I'm sure that that will happen over the course. Yeah, yeah. Because there is, uh, you're right, there is a scale of operations, right? Uh, and beyond a certain scale, uh, you do need more kind of operational support versus just being volunteer driven. It works up to a certain scale. Yeah. Well, you know. One of these days, we'll keep pushing for it. That's good. We'll have to get more members and more uh, more participation as we go down the line here. But but that's why you're here. You're one of those award-winning volunteers. Um, well, let's uh, pivot a little bit into the – I'm curious to hear more about, you know, what do you do? What kind of ERM work do you do uh, maybe now and maybe before now? Yeah, so my growth into ERM has been organically. Like, I started, as I said, 20-something years ago, more in the IT risk management area – and, you know, grew into what is now called GRC or governance risk and compliance, and then into ERM. I, I started seeing a lot of um, ERM opportunities uh, through my work in the commercial space as Sergeant Soxley was being rolled out, and mm. then the federal space when A123 was being rolled out. Right. Uh, nowadays, I actually see more and more ERM um, opportunities, uh, both in commercial and federal. Uh, and the, the work that I primarily do is kind of, I would like to call myself the glue between the business and, you know, the technology space, where there's a lot of opportunity for automation of processes, uh, activities, but the, the, the question that obviously clients ask me is for the sake of what, and how do you you know, apply technology or any kind of advancement of ERM, whether it be process improvement, whether it be, you know, tech infrastructure improvement, to really achieve the goal and to ask, like, mm-hmm. wh- to, to kind of set what goal are we trying to a- accomplish in ERM? What is the purpose of ERM? 
it's my job to kind of help connect the dots uh, or help clients connect the dots, I should say, uh, where there are strategic ob objectives or, or goals of the organization. That's where I feel like ERM has a bigger role to play, uh, whether it be in cybersecurity, whether it be in you know supply chain management. We're going to touch on that a little yeah. later. But uh, so my... Of late, my um, role has been in, in many quick cases, especially with a government client that I'm working on, to help roll out a strategy and vision for, I mean, risk management. I, I would not necessarily want to label it ERM because the, the, the definition of ERM is very specific, uh, but it has tentacles that run deep into different layers of the organization. Right. And it's understanding and making those you know, connections that is really fundamental. Uh, and that's where I have a keen passion and interest in, in connecting. So for example, with the cyber world, in, mm -hmm. in the data analytics world, uh, with the supply chain management world, uh, uh, with financial risk management world, that's where you know, ERM evolved from in the federal space particularly. Well, what does it mean? Why, where, does the, where do these connections happen? How do you have that kind of 30,000 feet strategy, and how do you kind of, you know, imp um, uh, implement that at, at a lower granular level? So that kind yeah. of Rosetta Stone, that's <laughs> where I see the, the glue in between. Well, that's my, yeah, that's always been my thing. I mean, you have to have ERM at that very high strategic understanding of all the threats and opportunities to your organization, but then at some lower level, okay, now what do we do about it? Yes. That's to me it's just as important. It's not just, okay, I identified it. That's step one. But then step two through 100 or how do we now mitigate, improve, you know, take advantage of opportunities and mitigate threats actually hands-on, right? Yeah, because that's really the, you know, the driving factor that would make ERM successful. Because otherwise it'll just be a, a board or, yeah. you know, very paperwork exercise, right? Yeah, and it's a check the box and it will kind of lose its teeth over time. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, it, of course, internal controls, all that goes into it as well. But even in audits, but to me, again, an audit is literally, you know, the origin of that word is to listen, right? Audio, or you're looking, you're, 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 you're listening, but you're not doing, you're not improving, you're not changing. Yeah. You're just observing and giving feedback. But I want to, you know, we got to go that next level and really dig in. And, you know, that's why things sounds like what you, what you do, right? Yeah. And to, to add to that, I mean, that's where kind of the lines of defense is really important. And again, that's where ERM has a clear role to play in defining that framework for risk management and, and establishing the lines of defense. So what does mm -hmm. the first line do? What is the role of the second line? What is the role of the third line? They all play a critical role. A and, you know, you yes, the audit or is the third line of defense, mm -hmm. and they're really, uh, you know, ch the final checks and balances yeah. um, for, for making sure, uh, as I saw, I had a poster in my office one day saying like if you're in a soccer game your uh, your audit is like your goalkeeper but if it's not your only line of defense it's the last line of defense. last line of it, yeah so um but there i think uh, one of the things i have seen uh, especially in the commercial and now in the government space is the role of erm has increased because of the importance of the second line yeah and of creating that separation between first and second line is also important. Well, so 
I do want to hear, you know, you said you've been in commercial for quite a long time. Now you're doing some federal and I guess both. Uh, just, yeah, what are some differences you've observed of out there or even things that are the same? Yeah, I think in the commercial space, ERM has been there for a while. And so obviously there, the maturity has been a lot more. A and, you know, there's uh, there's been, especially in the financial services world, a lot of um, importance placed on the role of ERM and what I call as big E ERM, enterprise risk management. And what does that mean really ERM is not a peer organization to other risk management organization, but is like an umbrella over mm. the top. Right. Uh, and that it not only kind of establishes the importance of ERM, it also makes sure there is connectivity uh, across the different uh, risk management domains. So for example, cyber, for example, operational risk, fraud risk, mm -hmm. um, financial risk, and it's really important to have that connectivity, and that's a role that ERM can very successfully play uh, in making sure that there is consistency, and it's making sure that there is a consistent framework for, you know, not only assessing risk but also mitigation. I mean, um, uh, one of the things that often we have seen uh, is risk management can sound like you know, focusing more mainly on negative risk, negative risk means yeah. what bad things could happen. But there's also a positive side of risk management as well, which means what opportunities are on the table. And you have to take risks to, you know, make sure we get those opportunities realized. And that's where really ERMs um, uh, kind of connects the dot with your strategy and your vision of where your organization or agency wants to be. And this is something that I would say is still uh, maturing in mm -hmm. most uh, federal government world. And I've seen that some agencies that have been on this journey for like the 10 plus years, they're there, but they're still uh, sometimes questioning what ERM could do, mm -hmm. and it's not very clearly defined. And I don't think it can be mandated. It has to be mm -hmm. an organization's voice. Um, in the commercial world, there is something called a board. Uh, yeah. So the board actually, you know, holds ERM accountable for certain activities. I, I, I don't know that there is an equivalent um, in in the federal government um, that probably has that level. Of, I mean, obviously the IG and you know there is a level to the agency uh, secretary and you know there's the, the, all that being said. I, I mean my. Uh, my conclusion is that there is probably still a mentality of ERM being like a check of the box type of, okay, we're complying with- In the compliance world. In yeah. the A123. Um, but there, there is a lot more strategic opportunity that we're leaving on the table. So, yeah, I mean, because government, we have some risk management councils, some of the executive directors that meet every month or quarter. They might have an ERM and CRO sitting in there, but again- is their role as robust as commercial world? Probably not. Yeah. And even you know. in the role of the CRO, like what does the CRO's role actually is? Right. Um, and how well connected is the CRO or the CRO's office with this whole strategic annual strategic plan uh, development? Because yeah. risk management is not and should not be driven in a silo. It should be driven based on the goals of the organization. Right. A and really... Um, 
also another thing to to make sure that be it you know new initiatives uh, or technology or otherwise that the CRO is very very well connected yeah. to to managing those um, because there are risks inherent with those initiatives. So new, I mean, obviously the federal government doesn't sell products or services, mm. but one of the things that we see ERM playing a critical role in commercial is evaluation of new initiatives, products, and services. Yeah. So when when you are, you know, launching something or a new initiative, there has to be uh, an ERM oversight um, that basically looks across all aspects of risk, not particularly just financial risk, not just cyber risk, but all aspects of risk, uh, supply chain risk, because these days everything we have a very high leverageability of external suppliers, uh, and therefore those things also need to come into the fore. Yeah, I wonder if some of the federal agencies that are more, you know, they're like patent office or immigration, they're almost 100% fee-based organizations. It's almost business-like in a way. Yeah. You know, they would benefit maybe more from that opportunity approach, not just the risk approach, you know. That's right. The threat approach. Yeah, that would be very interesting because, yeah, I mean, business decisions should, you know, should we, the services we provide and the, and the prices that we charge folks, is this, is this lining up or the, the products and services we're providing, they have to think more business-like. I mean, they still have to get approvals from OMB and everybody else, so it's still a little different. I mean, they can't independently just do what they want. Yeah, but I mean, Ultimately, risk management is a decision support tool. And yeah. if you think of that from that perspective, it should help um, an organization, be it commercial or be it government, make better decisions through uh, you know, evaluation of appropriate factors. And really, uh, that's where ERM has a, a greater role to play, in my opinion, by making sure that different aspects of risk are carefully evaluated against opportunities. Obviously, as I said, you cannot just look at negative risk, but there is also a positive risk. And ERM can really push the boundaries to, to the business saying, are you actually taking a, enough risk? Or are you just yeah. over control just because you've had this kind of very compliance mindset where you've just checked the box, implemented all, you know, so, much, so much controls that it's actually inhibiting business. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a, a surprising amount of federal and state local entities that are, you know, they they need to worry about revenues and, and fees, and it's not just compliance or handing out grants, you know, they, yeah. they, they actually kind of have a business-like, you know, structure. So, yeah. So ERM has a big role there to actually also drive the culture of risk. Mm -hmm. uh, and one one slogan that ERM practitioners like to say is risk management is everyone's business. Risk management is not just risk, a bunch of risk people doing annual risk evaluations or risk control self-assessments. It should be at the forefront of like a person who's granting a loan or a, yeah. a, or um, a, 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 a IT a guy who's turning on access for an individual. There's risk management in every aspect. And oh, yeah. That culture of risk, it's not risk averse, it's risk aware. Aware, right. Uh, exactly. And that really is a culture that needs to be driven. So I would say, um, you know, ERM also, we are now starting to see growth in, mm -hmm. in things like diversity, equity, inclusion, and yep. accessibility. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, soon to be environmental and societal governance, that those are hot topics that are going to be ERM, I, I could see a, a, a strong role that, that ERM will play, play in the coming days. Yeah, I mean, every one of these podcasts I do with government folks, it's HR, you know, human capital and, that's right. you know, cyber are always the top two. Like, that just seems to be common across probably all organizations, especially government for, for, the, for the human capital, though. So, um, well, I mean, this is going pretty good. I got a couple more questions for you. Our time is getting short here. We have a good conversation. Um, well, just in your opinion, again, based on the work you've done and maybe even commercial versus federal, you know, what do you think is, what would you like to see ERM in the government evolve? What's the next things you'd like to see? Yeah, as I touched on, I think kind of, I, I would like to see, and I'm not saying necessarily that that's not happening, but a clear linkage between the planning aspect of the government work that happens uh, in the business and the risk management. Because obviously with uh, ERM kind of living in a somewhat ivory tower, it is very easy to uh, be disconnected from like, what are we doing this all for? Uh, and also, in parallel, uh, the growth or, or of importance of things like cyber um, and data, uh, they, 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 are, they present significant enterprise-level risks to the government uh, and, and to any organization for that matter. So it is very easy to, to have these go on tangents and be misaligned with the organizational mm -hmm. goals. And I, I'm seeing that happen with, you know, NIST has come out with guidance around NIST IR 8286 on how you integrate cyber with ERM. Mm -hmm. I would say that there, there is a kind of a, an opportunity for ERM to really define different domains of, uh, you know, risk management more clearly establish the, the accountability and the responsibility of those specific domains and then be the kind of the glue that connects those all. So there's, um, you know, we live in a world today, unfortunately, that no risk is independent. They're yes. all interconnected. There's a high degree of interconnectedness. And right. I feel like ERM is in the best place to understand this interconnectivity. A and if we don't really have somebody the CRO shop, like playing that role, it is very difficult to manage risk bottom up. There mm. has to be a, a like a this kind of the top down right. and the tone setting of the company. So yeah. that that's really uh, tone setting, culture, all of the things that we discuss. That's really a, a role. And we talked about the the definition of lines of defense and where exactly the first lines ro roles and responsibilities end. Second lines oversight role begins, um, that those are all, you know, should be, you know, defined within, by ERM. Uh, another area which I talked about recently is risk appetite. Mm. And I think risk appetite, it's not, again, just a paper exercise, but living it, like going, not just defining enterprise level risk appetite at the top, but then having the cascading metrics uh, and the, the, the thresholds applied at all layers. That's how you kind of take that overarching risk management philosophy and, and push it down into the tranches of different areas. And so that, that is uh, one area that is uh, you know, still evolving in my opinion. But then to, to say the least, uh, they're, they're, you know, to accomplish all of that, you need good data, 
We yeah. need good governance. Uh, and those can be established. Well, let's start with governance. Governance is one of the key areas where I think ERM can play a role. Yeah. And also, you know, the, the data acquisition, collation, aggregation, those are still very big opportunity areas. Uh, a lot of agencies still don't have good data. Uh, and with the power of, you know, data sciences that are, and the growth that we have seen with especially in AI and yeah. RPA, those are areas, uh, I mean, if you use data in the wrong way, a lot of uh, harm can be done to the organization. Yeah. So making sure that there's responsible development, there there's risks are mitigated, you get accurate data, all of that governance can be driven through. Uh, I mean, obviously there's data management governance in every organization, but having right. that enterprise umbrella oversight is gonna be absolutely necessary. Well, that's another thing. So yes, a lot of folks I've talked to on the podcast, a few agencies, maybe more now, hopefully, the ERM shop is really, you know, putting a strong emphasis on the data. They want to gather. They want to know what's actually happening out there so we can make real conclusions from things and, and know what direction to go in. But it's just, yeah, you need tools like AI or something. It's just so much data, so varied, so, you know, it's not standardized necessarily. But Paul, Unstructured, think, right? Yeah. Paul, think about the, uh, the impact of that. I mean, when you get into such topics, I mean, you, you, you know, a few years ago you had in the ERM shop, people who are generalists like me. Mm -hmm. uh, but then now you're getting into data space. So you need people with strong skills. data sciences skill sets. Right. You need people with strong cyber skill sets. You need people who mm -hmm. understand vendor risk management or fraud risk management. So the ERM so sh shop is actually gonna require very, very deep specialist knowledge to be able to engage with these people. Right, how do you really know what your risks are if you, if you don't, you know? That's my thing. Like I, you know, don't just tell me your opinion. I want like do some analysis. Show me the data, and then let's let's go from there. Otherwise, you're just con just a conjecture. Yeah, and and the the thing is, um, ERM um, because of being kind of the umbrella organization, I, I almost liken it to a two point five line of defense because it not only has oversight um, role um, and an effective challenge role on the first line but also against other second line organizations. Mm -hmm. So for example, if compliance, um, you know, in, in setting risk metrics for compliance at, mm -hmm. at a high bar, which is fine from a compliance perspective, but it inhibits um, risk taking, then yep. ERM can also play that effective challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing out an example. So th th I've seen the successful organizations where that kind of level of challenge also happens. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, they are challenging another organization. So, but to have that level of challenge and effect um, oversight, you've got to elevate ERM to, to that level yeah. within the organization. Well, and maybe that is one of the biggest lessons learned from commercial, elevate it in federal to the level you see a lot of these commercial organizations, because it really is that important, not just for making money in the government, in the business world, but just for effectively running your government organization, getting the benefits of people that need it or your mission, right? So One other thing that I've seen is um, happening, especially in the financial services world, is a process called, you know, for the lack of a better word, it's called risk ID, uh, which is an enterprise risk identification. Mm -hmm. And it's really a bi-directional risk identification. So you have your risk control self-assessments that the, the business units do, and, you know, they're done on an annual exercise. But that's a bottom-up exercise. Yeah. 
But then you, you look at your over, you know, uh, your set of aggregated risk, but also look at the horizon. Mm -hmm. You do your horizon scanning. So really, and and if compare that against your business strategic goals, and being able to say, here are the, my top uh, enterprise risks, and this these are going to be my strategies for the upcoming year. I think that is another crucial role. I haven't seen that as being as effective yet in the, in the government space, and I know some of the mature federal agencies are you know, taking steps in that direction, but that's a, another opportunity uh, for, to kind of drive that enterprise risk identification. Yeah. Well, this has been fascinating. I uh, just have one final question for you, kind of bringing it back around to a firm. You know, you've done some volunteering, obviously did a good job of that, you know, what would you say to folks that are maybe interested? What would you, how would you encourage people to volunteer for, you know, for a firm? What do you get out of that? Yeah, I think, as I said at the beginning, this is a great place to build your network. Mm -hmm. And whether you work for the government, whether you work for a consulting company, whether you're independent like me, um, it's knowing people. Mm -hmm. And this is a great team of people uh, who are ready to collaborate, who are very, very open uh, in terms of their support they provide. It's amazing that this organization runs 100% on volunteer support and we get yeah. everything done, right? From yeah. putting a huge annual event to having monthly podcasts, um, uh, webinars, now we're back to doing in-person tra uh, trainings. It all happens because of volunteers, untiring work day after day. So if you're ready to volunteer, Obviously, it's a precious time of your, you know, schedule. But one thing to keep in mind is there are no half measures. If you if you're doing it, you have to be committed. Yes. And and you have to bring your A game to the volunteering as well. Uh, the payouts are intangible. Obviously, it's not revenue based. Yeah. Uh, um, it's work that you do after hours. But the the returns that you get whether it be satisfaction from, you know, for example, I was in the sponsoring committee and sponsorship committee, and the, 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 the note that I used to get from the note of thanks from sponsors or members, whether you help them out, or the board, which, you know, obviously is very, very appreciative of the, all the effort. I think that is intangible, but it's, um, you, you know, you cannot measure that in, in any amount of money. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Somia, it's been great having you here. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Thank you very much, Paul.